welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. My name is Scout, and I was wondering, Mads, do you think that we'll ever jump into an episode in any other way? Are we just like, that's what we're fucking known for? It's like a classic today show, morning show, night show situation where we just start full guns ablazing, introducing ourselves in that way. Well, are you saying that we should not introduce ourselves? No, we should definitely introduce ourselves. I am just wondering... Will we forever be known as hello and welcome to OKSIS podcast? My name is Maddie and my name is Scout. Yeah, 100% (laughs) because people need to know the context. This is the podcast name. (laughs) These are the hosts. We're sisters IRL. That part we forgot to mention, which is usually part of the, you know, shtick at the beginning of every episode. But you, you know, we're sisters IRL. I think the cutest thing that's ever happened to me was our dad's girlfriend's friend listens to OKSIS podcasts pretty religiously, and I finally met her in person, and she looks at me and she goes, it's so good to meet you, IRL. Oh my god. And she's like older, so she it was totally like she knows what IRL means because of us. Because of us. Because of us. How are you doing today, man? Because Mads? of you, I never strayed too, too far, far from, from the, the sidewalk. sidewalk. Because of you. You know, I am feeling very nostalgic. I am really getting excited for Christmas. This is going to be a hot take. I'm a Halloween hater, okay? I fucking hate it. I hate it. I am with you and then some. I just got my eyebrows done and the girl's like, oh, so do you have any Halloween plans? And I think I think I said uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not engage in this uh, conversation. Yeah. Halloween. Not for me. I I'm sorry for all the people out there who love spooky season. It's not for me. I want to skip right to Christmas. That is the only holiday I care about. It's the only holiday I care care about that I don't celebrate which is very interesting that's how much I love Christmas is that like I literally don't celebrate it but I love it more than any other holiday I do celebrate okay so yes I'm agreeing with you there and I'm gonna take it well first let me back up I live in a very quaint neighborhood and so I moved here last year and so it was really kind of at the peak of COVID so no one really trick-or-treated but I have a feeling and I know I've I've heard that this neighborhood goes off on Halloween Oy. for the kids so like get out no but like for like five or six and I love candy so maybe I've always said that I wanted to trick-or-treat I just don't want to engage in the ridiculously slutty outfits, this spending $300 on an outfit, going out and partying, all that crap. So maybe this year I will enjoy Halloween because I can just be family friendly. I can dress up Luna like a dinosaur oh, that's really and good. we can walk around town. Now, this, this is a big thing I have a question for because I've never lived in a house where I gave out the candy, right? Like I was the person mm-hmm. providing of the trick or treats. Now, yeah. I can imagine... That it would be fucking annoying because, you know, you're watching a movie, you know, in between each of the trick-or-treaters, then you have to get up, then you have to go to the door, then you have to give it, then you go back to the couch. Like, I cannot get up and sit down that many times during the day. Or do you just sit by the door? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's an event. Like you sit by the door from five to seven. Kids that are trick-or-treating are probably going to be between five and six. It's probably an hour tops. Got it. You sit at the door. You have friends over. It's like you're you're manning the station. And then at some point, you know, once you get tired of it, you can just leave the bowl outside. Oh, yeah. But that's a lot of trust because I was that kid that took all of the candy. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, look, I'll give them the uh, I'll give them the, uh, the benefit of the doubt. I'll get. No, I'll just throw in all the good and plenty and black licorice and see who oh, takes And it. candy corn. Yeah. We'll throw that candy cord right in there and then no one will take it. Take that hot intern, Gigi. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, also, but another hot take is that I'm not a Thanksgiving person either. That is absurd. I'm sorry. You're you're just wrong. Like it's you're just you're just wrong. I don't like Thanksgiving dinner. I don't crave it. There is no dish that I'm stoked on. It's it's not my vibe. This is hurting me. This is like really hurting me because Thanksgiving, the food contents of Thanksgiving is one of my favorite meals. And I don't understand why we don't. I mean, look, I don't I wouldn't want to eat it any other time because then it wouldn't be as special. I am obsessed with everything Thanksgiving. Not for me. But do you want to know what I am obsessed with? Our guest, Indie Blue, today, which I am so pumped. Yeah, you know, after three years of podcasting, you'd think I'd get a transition down. But sisters... Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, we, wow, 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 wow. We have the lonely ghost herself. We have Indie Blue on the podcast today. And so for all of you who are coming from Indie's world, because we know you're here, we know how Indie rolls with her. I don't know what they are. All of you, you amazing lonely ghoster people. What is, does she have something that she calls her community? She says it in the episode, but I, for, I forget. But it is something like a little play on on her. Yeah, it's cute. So we we went all over the place as always, but we really, really got into some pretty deep conversations. One about the difference of growing kind of being recognized for being on the internet versus being recognized for a product that you create and people purchase, kind of the difference in accomplishments and achievements and and public notoriety. We talked about a lot about her faith and her journey through the Mormon religion and how she now feels about her relationship with God. We talked about creating lonely ghosts. We talked about how social media fatigue, sorry sisters, it's just a running theme for the rest of 2021. But we really got into a lot of different topics here. Ah, uh, Indie Blue. What a gem. And she's a MILF. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that. Also, I think confidently this episode answers the question. And you'll just have to listen, sisters, to figure it out. I think we wholeheartedly rounded out the answer to who is Indie Blue. Oh, yes. I think I, I would agree. Yay. Okay, sisters. Enjoy the episode. We love you. Hello? How are you guys? We can't see you. <gasps> there she is. No, we can't see your beautiful Hello, face. Hello, look at you with oh. your sweatshirt. Just a bright. Hi, beautiful. Hello, you guys. Bright. I love you. Say it back. I mean, we always have to be on brand. We love it. I had to do some shameless branding, you know. So I just, we just went to Tulum and I flew out of Salt Lake City. And as I was sitting there waiting to board my flight, I see someone with a lonely ghost sweatshirt and I'm like, God damn, indie blue is fucking everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. It was a good moment. It's an airport fit for sure. I was at the airport the other day and I saw like four. Wait, do you do you go up to them when you see them? Or is it like a, is it a lot? You do. Oh yeah. I do. I do. And what's funny is 
I kind of just assume they know who I am. The other day I was driving home and I saw a girl in the parking lot wearing one, just walking into her car. And I about died. Like I'm still not used to seeing them in the wild. And I drove up next to her super quick and I was like getting my phone to film her. And I like, but by the time I got there, she was already in her car. And so then it was just really awkward because I rolled down my window and I just had my phone out just filming her. And she was so shocked and like- She's like, who is this creeper trying to film me <laughs> in my car? Yes. And then she was like, oh, isn't this your brand or something? And I was like, yeah, thanks. And I just drove away. It was so awkward. But I, I guess it's a good thing that more people are- discovering the brand outside of my <laughs> my followers okay so wait what's more shocking to you because you've been on the internet forever what's more shocking to you someone coming up to you in the wild and just being stoked to see you or seeing a lonely ghost sweatshirt in the wild definitely the sweatshirt I don't know why that one still blows my mind probably just because I don't know actually that's a good question because it's so flattering if someone you know, can actually go up to you in person. I can't do stuff like that. My social anxiety. For some reason, when I see people in it or someone sends me a photo of just someone in a random town wearing it, that's when it just, I think, puts into perspective the growth of my brand, just kind of the growth of my own journey. I don't know. It's cool. It's cool to just like the further and further it spreads is just kind of, it's like an indicator of how it's all been going so yeah I love it it feels like its own little entity and I love what you just said in the beginning where you forget that sometimes people have discovered the brand outside of following you or outside of being part of your life so kind of talk to us about about Lonely Ghost and starting that and and was it really always intentional to make sure that it's something of its own entity and not just you know an influencer brand if you will yeah yeah totally I've always loved fashion and clothes. My dream would be to work anything close to fashion. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Like my favorite show is Project Runway. But I didn't know, I didn't know anything about starting a brand, anything like that. And this was before merch was a thing, right? So I kind of explain it like this was 2017, 2016, 2017, when I feel like YouTube took off and the one that sticks out in my mind is Jake Paul because Bronson, my business partner, he was working with the manufacturer that did their merch. I can't remember how it was all related, but that was kind of blowing up at the time. And just from a design perspective, Bronson's a designer. I love fashion. From that perspective, we were like, this shit is so ugly. Like the stuff they were putting out but they were making so much money. And we were just like, why not just hire a designer and make it look a little cooler? That was my first introduction to this world. It really had nothing to do with even me putting out stuff. I just saw this opportunity, like merch was selling like crazy. And I compare it to getting shirts after a concert. That's always kind of been a thing and people collect their band merch. And then these YouTubers and influencers started getting these fan bases, like actual fan bases, much like a band or an artist would. And it was a good idea. It would, there just wasn't anything really cool <laughs> in the graphic design aspect of this YouTube merch. And so that's kind of how the idea started. I've had a 
pretty loyal following for years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To say the fucking least, I don't want to go up against you because I feel like they're a fucking it's tidal like wave, dude. They're insane. They're an army. It's the indie army. Yes. Oh, they're up there with like the Arianators. What do you call the Ariana Grande fans? Those ones are the scariest. But mine, mine went up against Addison Ray. Like they're, they're tough. So that's insane. Okay, so you start this brand, but you also take it beyond the merch. Can you talk a little bit about your experiential store, the grocery store, all of that good stuff? Because I feel like you saw the need and the rise of merch within the influencer community, et cetera, mixed with great design. But you also provide a 360 experience. I know you have a movie night tonight, I believe. Like there's yesterday. Or it was yesterday. It's just, well, I, some, you know, you see shit on Instagram. I saw it on Instagram. Meadow, our girl Meadow was posting about it. So what was the thought process from taking it from clothing to more experiences? So, and also to kind of, I feel like I didn't even finish up your, your last question, but it kind of goes into this one as well. When I ended up starting my own brand, I saw really quickly how I say dangerous because that's like, from my perspective, it that is like the intensity of the word. It's dangerous to be the face of a brand and to like rely solely on me as the face and the voice and everything. And I, what I'm good at is connecting a lot of people like me. So a lot of like-minded people and I'm just the connector of it all. And so it was really easy for me to kind of like put the ghost in front and like take a step behind and then let it kind of take on a life of its own. It's a little unexplainable. I tried to explain it. It would take me hours why this specific type of community has just been able to thrive. But once it did, once we saw that our following, our people were supporting us in a way that wasn't, it was just so much larger than the clothes. And that was kind of an interesting turning point for us because we realized that we didn't have to stay boxed in with clothes. We could do, we just needed ideas. And that's kind of where we shifted and wanted to give in real life experiences that our community online could experience and take into the real world. So, I mean, you're a wizard at community building, I would say. And I think it's, you say it's like so hard to define and I totally understand that. It's this like an intangible feeling and essence of the people that you've rallied around you. And then I also think it's just, you know, a lifetime of being on the internet and really understanding and a deep knowledge of marketing on, on social and that, if you will, you know, we got, I mean, we got so many questions from your audience already, but one that really stood out to me that I also really want to, I'm curious about is, and you just said it, you're such a connector. You find these people that are exactly like you or or you know aspire to be you or whatever the case is where did that come from and what's your approach to that I mean you said you had social anxiety so it's like you know are you are you just the type of person that reaches out and is great at that type of stuff or like where where do you find that magic part of it One of the most surprising side effects of postpartum for me was that my hair started shedding right around the crown of my head. 
now I have these random baby hairs sticking out near my forehead that I just can't figure out what to do with. Yeah, I keep asking you to tame those down, but they seem to be very stubborn. Yes, I know, Mads. After a few months of me not seeing improved hair growth, I knew I needed to give my hair some extra strength and support. Enter Nutrafol. I just got the Nutrafol's postpartum supplement and I'm so excited because I'm committed to supporting my hair health now that I'm postpartum. The next six months is going to be me and Nutrafol. I might not be a mother like Scoutala is, but as you sisters know, we are always on a hair journey here on OK Sister Podcast. I am always looking for a way to up my hair health game. I love Nutrafol because they have a whole body approach, multi-targets, underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker and stronger hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com promo code OKSIS. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. 
That's such a good question. And I love what you said about me just being on the internet. That is an advantage that people like you two understand it because we're all the, we're the same. We're kindred spirits. But that is an advantage. Like I know how the internet works and I speak the language. And I think that's a part of what makes me a good connector is nailing that language. I think the thing I get more than anything is people will say, you put my feelings into words. Like I didn't even know how to say that and you put my feelings into words. I kind of come back to that. Being able to almost speak for people is really special to find those words that people can't say. And when there's so many who all feel the same way, it's more for me. I tell people this all the time. I'm like, I do this because when you guys comment and say, oh, I've also been waking up at 6 a.m. for the past three months from anxiety attacks. I'm like, are you serious? I thought I was losing my mind. I, I know why it works for other people because it works for me. That feeling of relating to people, the feeling of like, oh, I thought I was the only one who thought that way and realizing you're not. I don't know. I think it, and I think it comes back to the language, which I just somehow... I'm really good at speaking. It's so wild to me, Indy, and I wonder if other people have had this impression of you and your brand because me and Mads have not been following you since high school necessarily. I think I found you two years ago. But when I first was introduced to you and the magic of who is Indy Blue, which I love that you capitalize that on your blog, it's so hard for me to pinpoint you because you are so out of the box and you defy polarities. So for example, you saying that you do these things because you connect with people who are going through the same things as you, there is the most relatable aspect to your content and there is the most aspirational romanticized version of it. And so you meet people where you are and then you suddenly give them this kind of I don't know if fantasy is it, but this aspirational live your life within this kind of vibe. One minute, I think you are the girl I went to high school with that's going to sit with me in the bathroom crying and writing poetry. And then the next you're showing your ass like a Kardashian in a tight, sexy dress. Like there is every time you post, it is such it, it defies a niche and a very specific type of girl. And I don't know if that's because I'm 30 and you're a little bit more on the Gen Z side, but has anyone ever told you that you kind of don't rely on a spectrum when it comes to who you are and you explore a lot of different types of brands, branding, quote unquote? First of all, thank you. That was so nice. And the way you worded that was... Perfect. I'm like, just to toot my own horn. No, the way you worded that made sense in this because I've had people say that to me where they're like, you, you know, most influencers make me like jealous, but you make me want to be a better me. That is kind of all I really care about. The being a role model side of having a platform like that stresses me out. But I was actually telling Meadow this a couple weeks ago. Because she was saying something similar to me. And I think, you know, you say you I remind you of a girl that you'd know in high school. I think what happened was I was that girl in high school. And I never, like, changed. Like, I continued to post like I was still a high schooler, but with a lot of followers. And that's probably not the way to describe, the best way to describe it. But I think moving to LA and seeing how 
I mean, I just saw, I realized that a lot of things I did weren't cool. Posting the like cool hotel rooftop view, like people didn't do that shit. People weren't excited at cool parties or like they saw a celebrity down the side of the road and I was like geeking out over that. I think that in the sense where I keep it real on Instagram, it's, I don't know. I just post my life and I don't know. I feel like it's, it's really simple, but my followers have kind of like gone through these stages of life with me. They know my siblings, they know my best friends. And it's, I think that's where that special connection comes from. How do you deal with social media fatigue? Because I know that you've spoken a lot about this, even on TikTok, you've made some videos about just like, you know, you get trolled when you're doing like a sponsorship, but it's like, bitch, I have to make money. Like, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Like, you know, it's this weird, this weird balance between living your life and being so authentic and being truthful, but then also having things for yourself and kind of protecting your energy in that way. What have you learned over the years after being online for so long that helps you to kind of balance that? so much oh my gosh I love that you guys have been talking about this on your podcast lately too because we haven't addressed as a society like what the fuck we've been doing for the last 10 years you know like we always talk about the internet being so new and we're obviously we've seen the effects of it but have we really like we're we're still the guinea pigs and I think for the first time it hit me this year where I was like holy shit, I have a social media addiction. And it's not cute. It's not like, oh, like those kids are obsessed with their phones. It's like, I can't walk down the street without looking at my phone. Or I can't stop at a stoplight without like instinctively like opening up Instagram to check for two seconds while I'm waiting at the light. So first and foremost, you have to have that conversation with yourself like a real addiction because once I realized how dependent I was on social media and it's easy to blame it on the job and it because it is a job and so it's so easy to put that and say like well this is my job but it got to a point where my mental health was so bad that I was just like what what is this all for like what what's the point of getting cute pictures of my cute new revolve outfit and maybe getting a couple hundred comments of people saying like slay clean love your fit I don't know I it's like it wasn't it just hit me at once like oh that's just not even worth all of this stress and so I am lucky because I've kind of been setting up myself in this position with lonely ghost that I can take a step back because I don't think people understand that side of influencing of social media marketing or if you work for yourself at all in that sense where I mean especially with Instagram you you can't really take time off because it drastically affects your engagement your which then directly affects your income so it makes your phone a prison sometimes and so I think luckily for me I have been able to kind of take a step back and because I couldn't take breaks before and now I'm just taking breaks and taking a step back. One thing I do is I'll try to delete Instagram off my phone and just keep it on my iPad. So then it's there, (laughs) like if I need to post, if I need to check something, but it's not on my phone, just mindlessly scrolling. You know what I mean? There's so much there. There's like 
three things I want to address, but I am at a complete war with my phone. Yeah. Especially being self-employed with a business and then doing the content creation with OKSIS podcast. And my phone is starting to feel like the devil. I don't think that us being this plugged in and this easy of access to ridiculous amounts of stimulation that we're just consuming unconsciously is productive, healthy in any way. But there's also not only just the like, we're addicted to social media and our phones and to t- technology, which we're going to see the effects of, you know, as you said, like way later on. It's also what is this going to do to our psyche to know that we have two identities, two selves. We have the identity and a self that is in real, real life. And then we have the avatar digital version of ourselves that we project and curate constantly. And as people who are content creators, like the three of us, that digital identity can get confusing with your in-person physical identity. And sometimes you don't know how the two of them can exist without the other, which is a really fucking crazy thing to think about. Like, what would your day, your life, your career, your purpose, your direction look like if you deleted and were banned from every social media platform and the internet in general? And you would just... Like when I picture it, it just feels like everything zeroes in on my head and I exist just in this physical space, which is so crazy to think about and is totally going to affect our psyche one day. And two, I think you're very smart and I think that a lot of influencers are moving in this this direction of, yes, the social media community, the digital content you create is beautiful. It's why we love you. It's why we connect with you. But having a direction, a purpose, a business outside of that to sustain, you know, moments where you need to step back from content creation because it is exhausting is really smart. And I think that's really we talk a lot about being the female face of a, of a brand, et cetera. But to hear you say that it's dangerous is actually a very refreshing uh, viewpoint there. I think it's honestly been a prerequisite for starting a company and starting a brand is that you need to be forward facing. I mean, especially on TikTok and platforms like this where they want to know. And I, we've talked about this, that there, there's so many pros to having a forward facing brand. You know, the, the community feels like they are your friend and they're relating to you and they're growing the business with you. But there are these detrimental effects, like even even today, I looked on TikTok on my the company that I'm building, Camber, and one of our you know TikToks went a little viral, and someone wrote this just nasty comment, and I knew it was so unfounded and like just not not truthful in any way, but it affects you, and you're like, shit, I'm being so vulnerable, I'm putting myself out there like this. This is my business. This is something that I really hold dear, and. I'm getting shit on for it. And it's it's a really interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people who aren't content creators understand how taxing it is to be putting yourself out there so vulnerably on the internet. I do want to talk about spirituality and religion because you grew up Mormon and we grew up Jewish. And, you know, to us, at least scouts relationship to God is like completely separate from religion and from what we know about Judaism. And then my relationship with Judaism is more cultural and the sense of the community and the traditions. But I want to hear about you because you grew up in this, like, I think very like strict religion and then you kind of break free from it. You're traveling the world. You have a baby. Now you're getting married. It felt like you went a little bit against the grain or maybe like what you were taught when you were growing up. So I want to hear about what is your relationship to that religion now and have you sought out spirituality in other realms? 
I am so happy you asked because no one has ever really asked me about this. And I feel like I'm finally at a place where I am not terrified to talk about it. And I don't know if either of you can relate, but like that's like the heavy burden religion has been on my life. And being able to be at a place where I'm not terrified of speaking about it is pretty exciting. And I'm, I've been so excited to talk about it. So I grew up Mormon in Linden, Utah, which is about as Mormon as it gets in the whole world. I didn't know that you couldn't be Mormon until I was probably like 10. Like I thought everyone was. It's just the way of life. And the Mormon way of life is great. It's like, I had a great childhood. It was so happy. I was so surrounded by so much love. I had a very privileged, happy childhood. And then I think for me, the hardest part was I was so, I, I just bought in since day one. I was so into my religion. I gave everything to it. It was everything to me. And I think part of it was because I've always been so spiritual. I've had a spiritual connection to God. I mean, I've prayed every single day since I was seven years old. I've I've just always had a very close relationship to God and therefore was a devout Mormon. I was so religious. After high school, I do feel like I have, I have the personality where I, I do kind of always go against the grain. But what's interesting is that in the church, I was so obedient and I was going to go on a mission, um, which is where you like leave for two years to go to another country and teach the gospel. I was going to get married in the temple. I had all the plans of staying in the Mormon faith for the rest of my life. And then I started to travel and experience the real world. And I think coming from they call it a bubble. They call it the Utah bubble. It's so sheltered. And so leaving that, my first trip was to Thailand when I was in high school. So that kind of shock, it opened my eyes a lot. And I think in the most profound way was just having the realization instead of there being one truth, which is what I had been taught my whole life, that the Mormon church is the right church it's the true church everyone else is wrong and how sad for them because they'll never be truly happy that's what i grew up being taught and then going to india and go going to africa seeing all these different ways of life all these different beautiful religions i would read about i remember walking around a mosque in turkey and just crying at how beautiful what i was reading around this museum and just thinking how universal a lot of it was. I related to so much of it when I had just been so turned off and had tunnel vision that anything else was bad and not true. And I actually think it was that day in the mosque where I had the realization of maybe we're all right. Instead of maybe we're all wrong and there's one right, maybe we're all right. How can I judge you know, someone in India who has never heard of Jesus Christ or Mormons. It just opened my eyes in such, it sounds like, it sounds probably insane, but I was so sheltered, you have to understand. And I, since then, struggled with just one foot in, one foot out, like how to reconcile my entire life in this faith. And I think having a baby and getting together with my boyfriend really like solidified my confidence in myself and my spirituality. Um, once you have a kid, you really have to take that shit seriously. 
And I think what it came down to was, do I want my child going to a church that I would have to, you know, teach him other things afterwards? Like, hey, wait, what did you learn today? Okay, so actually, we're going to learn this instead. I didn't understand, like, if I wouldn't want it for myself, why I would want it for my child. And that was, I mean, he's almost two now, and it's just been amazing to have that freedom to explore, which, like I said, I had a great childhood. I had a great life. I didn't have a terrible experience in the church like a lot of people do, but I don't think I was free to be who I was and who I wasn't free to even explore that person. And now I am. And that's kind of just how I feel about spirituality. I don't, I don't know how I feel about religion. There's a lot of things that are questionable to me, but at least I have the freedom to explore all of those things now and figure out what does feel true to me. And sorry, I just, I just went on a, I feel like a- Yeah, I mean- No, I'm eating up every word. So do you still pray today? And if so, what does your prayer practice look like? Yeah, no, I totally. So I think the biggest thing, and if I have anyone that's struggling with leaving the church, especially Mormonism listening, the one thing I'll say is that spirituality is so, it's just, it's that personal relationship with God. And to me, that was not exclusive to the church. So leaving the church was scary because I was like, okay, so everything I grew up feeling and knowing is gone. It was a lie. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. I get to keep all of these things. Like the church doesn't get to gatekeep like all of these spiritual experiences I had for my childhood. Those things were real. Those things still happened. My prayers were still answered. If anything, it just gives me more faith and more confidence in my relationship to God and to source and to my angels. And just, I just think people need to remember that, that you can still keep the things that felt good and true to you after you leave religion. And so, yeah, I pray every single day. I still pray like I did when I was seven. I say, dear heavenly father, because that's how we prayed. But I truly believe that God shows up in whatever way we need. And it's like I was saying about speaking the language. I think God speaks to us in the language that we need at the time. And for a lot of years, that was through Mormonism. And I don't believe that those experiences are void just because I have found some things out and believe differently now. I believe that's how God was choosing to show up for me because that's where I was at. First, I just want to say that was so beautiful and I'm so happy for you. And Thank you. I'm happy I got to talk about it takes, you. you know, Mads and I didn't quote unquote leave. I didn't leave a Jewish religion because Judaism is a is a very specific religion where I feel like it can be more cultural than religious for, for many exactly. more secular. But when I quote unquote found God or found my relationship to God, it scared me because I didn't know how to talk about it because of the connotations, because of what it stands for, because of the images people have in their mind. And so... It took me, like, I inched, you know, I would say the universe, and then I would say this, and then I would say that, and then I was like, no, it's God for me, and, and that's it. Like, bottom line, I believe in God. So it's just very cool to see a woman develop that personal relationship with God in the exact way that she needs. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> so I was going to say, I mean, you touched on it a little bit. You have a baby, and just as you're thinking about instilling, you know, you're back in Utah, you're kind of immersed back in the community that you grew up in, I mean, a little farther out of it, but what do you think 
that will look like when he grows up and and you have to instill that spirituality like what what are are you going to put him into you know camp mormon camp is there mormon camp maybe there's not mormon camp there was jewish camp so uh, there's jewish like, camp are you going to want him cuz it, it seemed like it was such a beautiful still community and a and a space to grow up and that's how we feel about judaism like it was so special being immersed in the community and i was similar to you where i didn't know that there were non-Jews. I literally thought Jews were like yeah. 80% of the world. And it was so fucking weird. I didn't have someone in my phone book that wasn't Jewish until I was yeah, 18. Like, like in my <sighs> cell phone. So we're kind of in the similar boat with you where it was a big, sh- it was a big shock. So there is that balance of like, you know, making sure you, you know, he's cultured and understands the world, but how do you keep him in, in the community? Or is that even something that you want? That's such a good question because one, my whole family is still Mormon. So that is such a big part of my life still in a way. And yeah, Mormons are the best. They're the nicest people you'll ever meet. Like whenever I'm traveling, if I'm in a bind, I know I can just find the nearest Mormon church and three young men will be helping with my tire. I don't know. People are so loving and giving and I love all of my Mormon friends and family. And I don't think I will take seven to church just because of what I said before. Like, I don't know if I wouldn't necessarily go sit with him. I just don't know why I would send him. But the good thing is I do feel like my community in just locally, just in my hometown with my friends, my family, it's so much more open and it's getting more open and more, it's just people are opening their eyes more every day. And even the, not even by that, I'm not saying they're leaving the church. I'm saying they're just listening more. They're understanding more. And I do think that it's going to be a, a way more accepting childhood for seven than it would be for another non-Mormon child that probably grew up in one of my classes. <laughs> Can we talk about Seven for a second and how you are a mom? Because it's crazy. I'm a freaking mom. I was watching one of your YouTube videos and you were like, people, someone is going to call me a mom. Like someone's going to call us mom and dad. Like, can you believe that? Like, that's how I would feel if I was pregnant. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, it's weird. And it's weird. Especially because, I mean, potentially, sorry if this is an overgeneralization, in the Mormon community, women they have children younger. That's a culturally acceptable thing. So for, you know, our community, having a child, you were 22, mm-hmm. feels so, so incredibly young. And so it would be a shock that someone would call you mom at that age. What, how has being a mom changed all of this for you? Because the way you are with seven is very sweet. Oh, he, I mean, he has changed my whole life in the best, most beautiful way. I just feel like he forced me to get my shit together in every aspect, like with mine and Jackson's relationship, we finally addressed everything and, you know, dealt with our trauma, dealt with our own shit to be able to be healthy, good parents to him. Same thing with me personally, with business, just in all aspects. And I think that's the really, it's stressful, but it's probably one of the most beautiful parts of motherhood. It's like you have, people ask me like what the biggest difference is. And I always say like, I can't die now. Like before I was 
skydiving. I was swinging off chandeliers and clubs. Like I was a wild child. And now I just like, I have a kid at home. Like I can't, I have another life, but it's also so beautiful because he pushes me to, you know, deal with my emotions, deal with my traumas so I can be a good mom to him. So I can be just a good person. And I think like that is so beautiful. Do you feel, because I didn't fully integrate into my system that I was an adult until like a year and a half ago, right? And since just because of the age you're at, I'm putting myself at that age, right? And so I felt as if I lost the spontaneity and innocence of my youth. I realized I was an adult a year and a half ago, but I really felt like that left around the age of 25-ish. Did becoming a mom, what is your relationship to being young like? So I feel like I lived 50 lives from 18 to 20, to 22, really. Like I traveled to 30 countries. I did a lot of shit and that helped me when I got pregnant and thought my life was over. That helped me because I really have lived so much life that I haven't felt that yet that like, oh, I'm missing out. And I'm sure I will. But like you said, in Utah, I was like, 22, 23, that's like you're where people start thinking there's something wrong with you if you don't have kids by then. So I was like, eh, at least I, I was like, eh. I'm like, by Utah standards, I'm ready for a kid. Like, let's try it. So. Okay, well, we cannot let you go without asking about wedding plans and the rock on your finger. So, I mean. Which is beautiful. Whenever I watch a video of yours, I just start crying. I'm sure everyone feels this way. Like, there, you just. I know, like, the angle, the fucking video angle from below. Like, did you know? Did you. Can we talk about that? Yeah, like, did you know he was doing it or you just had it on? Oh my gosh. Well, what's so classic me is the fact that, like, as soon as I told, I could tell he was, like, starting on a speech. And I didn't want him to, like, because my boyfriend, he's so shy around. He's, like, super camera shy. He doesn't like to be filmed or anything. And so I didn't want him to see that I was, like, recording. And so I didn't even move the camera. I just pressed the button. And because I wanted to get the audio for later just to have. And when I saw that, like, the angle was just, like, the sun was shining. The ring on the finger, it was the gods. They were my spirit guides. They were... They're coming through for me that day. It was so fuck. I don't know what it was about that angle that just gave me the feels. I was like, this isn't planned, or it's like, it's not planned because the angle is weird, but the angle is so perfect that how is yes. this not planned? It was amazing. I mean, I, I was telling Scout right before this, like, she, I was like, Indy romanticizes her life so well. Like, I just, I feel, I, I don't know, I feel so. It's, again, this aspirational thing, but then it's just real life. Like, it's just normal life. And it feels so – it's like you've found magic in the mundane and all of those, like, little beautiful moments and just have amplified them to make these gorgeous videos. And I'm sure – I mean, as you know this, like, I'm sure everyone tells you this. And it's just – it's beautiful. We'll cut these clips for you, Indy, for when you're having a bad day yeah. and you can just play the parts. I, You guys, right now, I was just like, this is the nicest podcast I've ever done. I'm, I love that. We're like your hype women. <laughs> okay. Should we ask our final question, Scout? Oh, yes. Okay, so we ask every woman who comes on OKSYS this, if you could brag about one thing and don't be humble, what would you brag about? Oh 
That's a good question. And you know what? I'm going to flip this shit. I am good at asking questions. That's my, that's my humble brag. And not in a podcast way. I, I don't know if I, I'm like, I think being an interviewer is like an art. I just, I feel like I'm good at asking questions and I'm actually releasing a question game. Real Only Ghost. You heard it here first. Exclusive. It's a collection of just my best questions that I've been collecting in my notes app for. Can we hear one? I want to hear, I want to like sense. Okay. Let me give you a good one though. Like where's my phone? I just know you guys will appreciate it. Like, let me see. Like, some examples are, were you allowed to watch Spongebob as a kid? Because Mormons weren't. That was, like, a big we deal. We weren't. We weren't only. We weren't allowed to watch Nickelodeon. But only because, only because our mom didn't want to deal with us asking for the products that were being advertised to us. She was like, I'm done with you guys asking us. So it was Disney all the way. Okay. I mean, this one's a classic, but Dream Celeb Threesome. Wait, Dream? Obviously, Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem and me. Okay, I'm going to go Ooh, I'm gonna go crazy. Timothy Chalamet, Emma Chamberlain, and me. Oh, God. It's, like, so predatory. It's so predatory. But, wait, but yes. yes. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Um, wait, okay. What's your favorite way to eat a potato? See, I'm flipping the script. I'm now asking you guys all the questions. God, these are incredible. You really are like good at asking French, French fries, like truffle fries. That's a good question. <gasps> truffle fries. I was gonna say way. French fries. Yeah, skinny though. Skinny, skinny truffle fries. Yes. Let me find like a good one to end on. God, this is like rapid fire. This is amazing rapid fire stuff. Okay. Last and final question: Do you believe in ghosts? I don't. Yes. That's what that the makes game sense. is called. So. <laughs> Yes, I do believe in ghosts. That's amazing. I believe in lonely ghosts. Is that okay? Yay. That's all that matters. <laughs> okay, Indy, please tell everybody where they can find you and lonely ghost. So my Instagram is IndyBlue underscore because this freaking dog has IndyBlue without the underscore. And then at lonely ghost for all the goods. Yay. And you can find us at Ocasis Podcast on Instagram. We love you, sisters. Thank you, guys. Love you, sisters.